Once again, we're back. What are you? You're, you're holding a Bible. Wow, we're ready for a sermon today. No, we're in it to win it, Rod. So I thought I would just bring my well-worn Bible. This one actually looks like it's water damaged. It is. Okay. Oh, that, mine is. I, that particular place must have got Yeah, you didn't tell damage. me to bring my Bible today, but mine, yeah, has definite water damage. I just wanted to talk a little bit about the prophet Odette. Okay. Ah, this is uh, the Pastards. We're back once again. So, how, me... how are you guys doing today? Oh, let's make it about the listener. I like that. Yeah. No, yes. it just, it's, of course it's, yeah, we, you got to speak up. We can't really hear you. <laughs> oh, look, the chat room is filling up over there. Oh, my goodness. Wow. Yep. So, I told Roger this could be a very short or quiet podcast. I have a severe sinus infection that creates a headache on this side of my head and so I'm not thinking as well not that I ever necessarily think super well but just advance warning this podcast is going to be either wildly entertaining <laughs> well probably will be wildly entertaining and have zero value <laughs> well I don't know about zero value. Well, entertainment is value. So, yeah, we need to, yes, because people need to laugh. We need to laugh. Right. We need to laugh, by golly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that hurt. That was bad. I don't need to do that every day. <laughs> hey, so Roger, ask me if we're closing on the farm tomorrow. <laughs> no! <laughs> okay, for those of us who don't know, Bruce has been in the process of buying a farm. Process, yeah, a long process. It's a, a little bit like trying to have kids. You know, oh, God. <laughs> where are you? <laughs> well, and you just, it's not, it's not happening. Okay. <laughs> well, at least for Marlene and I, for you guys, you guys have to try to have kids when you had kids. <laughs> you guys thought about kids and whoa! Boom. Joyce, Joyce expecting. <laughs> yeah. Like, what just happened there? No, so, which, so apparently what's slowing it down, we got two things slowing it down now. You're going to love this. Listeners, you're going to love this. So the land is co-owned apparently by three entities. I think two of them are family members. And the third is the Blank County Baptist Association, which has 48 members. So good luck on getting 48 people to sign off on it. You are doomed. <laughs> I don't think in recorded history, Baptists have been unanimous about anything. <laughs> yeah, I hope it doesn't have to be unanimous. I hope one guy can just slip a signature on there and it'll be good to go. No, but it reminded me of, you know, when Grandpa Rice died, the he had set a, aside a trust so that part of the proceeds, when they were the land sold, the, the farm and the land, part of the proceeds would go to the family and part of the proceeds would go to Joel Christian Ministries and or other oh, charitable really? organizations. Okay. Yeah, it was called a Charitable Remainder Trust. So that's apparently what this is. It just would have been helpful to know about that, I don't know, two months ago when we made the offer. <laughs> I didn't Who realize actually we were making an offer to 50 people. <laughs> well, and I don't even know if all 50 accepted said offer. <laughs> we're going to find out, aren't we're, we? We're, we're going to find out. <laughs> the other thing that's a little hitch in the get-along, so this is funny. Did you just say hitch in the get-along? <laughs> yes. Whoa, cowboy! That's a southern... <laughs> Howdy! That's a southern colloquialism. There. All right, Bruce! The old hitch in the get-along. Um, the, you know, the survey came back, and it was showing about four or five more acres on there so it went like 53 acres maybe six so more they acres. did a survey and found that you're everybody discovered that you're buying more land than you thought you were 
We're not. Including the buyer, the sellers? <laughs> well, here's the thing. The county says, uh, we don't think so. We don't, we don't think the surveyor got that right. <laughs> Oh, well, so, think about it. So now the you're going to get records have been get... in place forever, forever, and now the new appraiser comes in and goes, "Nope, it's actually this." And the tax, understandably, the tax people are like, "Well, we've been assessing that property either incorrectly for a hundred thousand years, or anyway." So now we have to get a signed affidavit <laughs> from the surveyor that will clarify, "Yes, indeed, this is actually." So here's the thing. I was like, maybe I shouldn't have gotten a survey. I was fine with 47 acres. I just don't care. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Yeah, these sales can be a nightmare. So the uh, the good news is we don't have to move this weekend. <laughs> <laughs> Which is good because I'm flying out Friday for the high Sierras. It's my first Sierra trip. And then I'll be back for a week, and then it's off oh, to Peru. Wait, what, do you, what do you mean, first Sierra trip? So I'm doing five trips in the Sierras this year. Okay, first of this year. Okay, first of this year. Yeah. First, first. Year, That's what's throwing me. I... Twenty twenty-two, the year that we're now in. It is the year. It will be good my for first, you. Good. It'll, it will be my first trip to Peru, though, which I, is only like fourteen days away. I'm like, that's crazy. That is, like. You all branching out and doing all the funky... Oh, we're going to start international travel now. I'm like, because there's... Well, there's more people that want to do international travel, I think. So mm -hmm. we're going to give that a whirl. And you know, our parents did international travel for a year. Yeah. <laughs> the Holy Land trips. Oh, I think that mom and dad... Europe trips. I don't remember the number. It sounds it's like... It's more than 10, because I asked them the other day, and it was more than 10 trips to the Holy Land. But they've been to like... Over 50 countries. Oh, yeah. That's I nice. think it's like, I want to say upper 50s or something. Some crazy number. I've been to like four. I've been to three. I've been to Canada. Eh? Canada. Been there. Uh, USA. USA. Been there. And believe it or not, not Mexico, but Colombia, South America. Yeah, I remember your soccer incident there. I got shot at. Literally. I have been to Canada, U.S., Australia. Oh. To visit uh, Joy's brother uh, who lives there and Ethiopia. Ethiopia. You are the world traveler. So, yeah, I'm catching up with, watch out, mom and dad. I'm catching up with you. Yeah, I can't remember how old they were when they were doing all those trips. There was a lot of them. They did, I'm well, sure you, in their 60s they were doing a lot of those still. Right. We moved to Chattanooga and they started at some point. Um, Maybe not long thereafter. Anyway, so yeah, they did that a lot of years. So next year it's Kilimanjaro, <coughs> 2024 Everest Base Camp. Uh, but I need to plan a trip to the Holy Land because I think people would just love that. And I haven't seen it yet, so it'd just be cool to take people there and let's all see it together for the first time. Gee, that might yeah be one I'd be interested in. Yeah, I... Well, come on, Raj. You can do like historical background stuff. <laughs> But I'll make sure we get from place to place, and I'll say, now Roger's going to tell us about it. Hiking in the Holy Land? Well, there's a little bit of hiking there. Most of that is going to be, uh, well, it's bus tours, let's face it. Lots of buses. <laughs> but we're going we're gonna to be wearing backpacks. <laughs> I'm trying to work it. <laughs> Everybody on the bus. I'm trying Here, I'll help you with your pack there. <laughs> I'm trying to work out a helicopter situation, uh, which I think would be great for folks. A helicopter situation. <laughs> well, 
I hope it's not like an Apache, like we're being flown out no. on that. I'm not sure. The Middle East is not known. <laughs> Helicopter for in the Holy Land is necessarily. Uh, hey, would you like to launch a missile? <laughs> a missile? <laughs> I am so tired. I am just so tired. Hey, no. I saw your uh, Denver Bronco. Bron- Bron- <laughs> Broncos. Oh, well, that's, they are the Broncos. That's what you know them as because they were your foe when you were at the, or the Broncos as in fake Broncos. Because last, ever since Peyton Manning, we've been a fake football team. We've been the Broncos. Well, that's good. I see what you did there. We were the Broncos. I'm telling you. Not everyone picks up on my brilliantly subtle humor. Yes. Those Broncos. <laughs> well, so what have you heard about the Broncos? The Broncos a, have been sold tentatively. Now, you know, it's got to go through to 85 Walmart. hoops. <laughs> Someone put a note about that. Well, you know, the un, un, comically, like your story is, okay, you know, the NFL owners all have to sign off right, on it. So. Right. I think 24 of them at least have to, and there's all these things. So you talk about buying, but I'm, I'm curious if you know what they, what the sales price, if everything goes through the sales price for uh, I'm gonna be way under your Den- Denver Broncos. So I remember, this is what I remember from way back when, when the Washington commanders or generals or whatever they are, admirals, I don't know, when they sold to their owner, what's his name? The guy, oh, um, short guy, glasses. Snyder. Snyder. They sold for five hundred million. Okay, so that was that was considered a big deal. I'm I'm figuring the Broncos. It's five billion. I don't know. That you're very 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 close. Good really? Idea. Yes. Oh, I thought I was gonna be way <sighs> under. No, the. So the which would be ten times more than the Washington Commanders. The record. Before, before this. The Panthers sold in 2018, I think, 2.8 billion. Billion, okay. Um, 4.65 billion is the number. <laughs> also, I almost nailed that. Yeah, that's, no, very that's very interesting. To uh, Rob Walton okay. and group. And, Pardon me. So that what? So the Walmart rumor was because the Waltons were the yes major right. majority owners. I'm sure of Walmart. Right. Okay. So that interesting. part. Um, but it's funny just looking. I think his estimated net worth is, I think I read fifty nine billion, fifty six billion, fifty nine billion. So he's gonna put ten percent into the Broncos. <laughs> just, although I did, I was also thinking like it would be. It's a whole other world that I'm about. Like, how does that sale close? I mean, like. It's like you're not writing a check, <laughs> writing, writing a check. Oh. But I'm thinking about all the. So our is I found out yesterday that our money has to be done by wire transfer. You know, it used to be you brought a big cashier's check to the closing right. table. Right, the attorneys would bring their various checks. One thing that changed in COVID is there's typically not even a closing table. Oh, is it? There's virtual? a closing date. There's all sorts of virtual stuff, and there's all sorts of signing you can do remotely. You wire the money to the lawyers that are managing that part whenever that happens how do you wire 4.65 well and i thought what if they're charging you three <laughs> percent someone's making boy the agent there is. well i did, the whole yeah whoever brokered the deal 
it, you're right uh, well then let's think about 59 billion if owners of walmart having 59 billion how much of that could have been potentially paid to employees <coughs> oh, over the past oh, 50 years? Oh, gosh. That. Well, no, I, it's that thing. Oh, no, no. I, it's, it's, it's that thing where I, <coughs> where I wonder the, the wages that the, worker, the, the, the workers who wages you didn't pay are crying out against you. In other words, it becomes the judgment against you. I, I, it, no, it, what you are touching on is you can't escape multiple that's a big deal that's right fair wages is a big deal in the scriptures yep um you know paying the poor person the day of paying them um james talking about yeah the the cries of the workers that you so this idea that you oh, yeah, that, get james, rich yeah. off of the laborer off the <coughs> You're going to make your wealth off the commoners. The poor laborer, right. Um, well, it's part of the whole story of history, tragically, and we do have to pay attention. The idea that we can simply assume that doesn't apply to us, and it's one of the things, concerns I get even kind of where we can moralize about all these other countries and maybe their civil rights violations and human rights and these kinds of things, which I'm not saying is an illegitimate thing, but not look and say, well, it's, hap it's happening in our borders. Right. We're the wealthiest country in the world, and where is the wealth getting built off of? Where are places we're missing the heart of God? Of Where even now, in a season like now, the wealthy still are getting wealthier, and the poor are still getting poorer, and yeah. um, I... I think God saw that differently going in his in his mind. Yeah, well, and it's the it's the upside downside of capitalism. You know, I'm no economist, okay, uh, but and I've always been a proponent of capitalism. In other words, creating opportunity and those things. But there's a downside to capitalism. Right, there's when no it, perfect system, and, and it's and it Jesus ain't perfect. Specifically, told a story about that. He said, "The land of a certain rich man." So the guy's already rich produced an extraordinary crop yep. and he's got this thing what am i going to do you know what am i what am i going to do now we know there's poor in the land we know but he's got now it's interesting as jesus, jesus <laughs> says the land produced it in other words in one sense the rich man didn't like make that money the land god uh provided an extraordinary crop that year right so so, so so things there are all kinds of things unrelated to where he lives the rainfall in that area the the, the soil conditions, uh, relative peace, whatever is affecting, he has this bumper, bumper crop. And so he's got a barn right, to put that all in, to, to store it up. But he's going to have far, further now he can anticipate, he's going to have far more than, yeah. And his decision, and this of course is the indictment, the decision was not, again, the indictment was not that he was wealthy. We talked about that several right. weeks ago. It's with the bumper crop, he decides, I'm going to tear down my existing barn and build multiple barns. Now we're going to go to multiple storage units. Storage units, exactly. Which is, by the way, years ago when I researched that, that was the number one growing industry in the United States. Ain't slowing down. In the real estate world. <laughs> Speaking of which, and this is big news, people, Marlene and I cleared out our storage building over the weekend. And now my garage, you can't park anything in it. <laughs> but it's out. We're, it's, and we... 
We got rid of about three or four boxes of stuff. That's good. So we've got a ways to go. I just want to point out that we're moving in the right direction. You're basically saying you moved all your stuff to a different location, so yay. I'm saying we're not using storage <laughs> buildings here. Okay. We're we're putting it in our house. There's no storage unit well, actually, crap farm, going on in our lives. A giant storage building on the front of the property, so that's, <laughs> that's where much of it's going. But I digress. So in the story of what we call the ritual, he says, I'm going to build bigger barns. <coughs> now, I don't know if you remember the little comic book that showed the, the story of the rich fool that we had when we were kids. It, it had a component to it. You might remember this. I don't yet. But some of the grain was falling out of his original barn. It was, it was so full, and there was a poor person trying to scoop it up, and he, ran, he chased him off. Oh, no, I don't, re no, I don't recall. I can still remember the cartoon. He chased him off. And he's like, what am I going to do? So the idea is the picture of you got all of these people that are poor all around you. You've got more than enough for your family. You know, you, you, you've got enough to fill your barn and more. And what are we going to do? Well, we're going to give it all away. We're just going to we're just going to give the rest away. We're going to help people. You're gonna, right. Nope. He says, we're going to tear down this <sighs> barn. We're going to build bigger barns. And then, of course, he, said, he dies in his sleep that night, and Jesus says, now who's going to get all that stuff that you stored up? And then Jesus says this, you fool, tonight your life will be demanded from you. This is how it will be for anyone who stores up things for himself but is not rich toward God. And since I'm sick, Roger's going to explain what it means to be rich toward God. <clears throat> well, I, I think the fundamental indictment... Mm -hmm. At the risk now, as I'm listening to myself, you know, giving some quick answer. So it makes this podcast work. It's always well, unscripted. <laughs> no. So the problem here, and you talk about this is why the rich fool story is for every single one of us. Or every yep. single one of us who has been blessed with anything from God that we can track back. The reason we have that is from him. Uh, that would be all of us. <laughs> so, he's indicted for what I could be indicted at multiple points in my life for, mm -hmm. which is I didn't even think about what God wanted with my stuff because right. it was my stuff. Uh -huh. <laughs> it was, I didn't even pause to think about what he wanted to do with the stuff he had given me. What he... His thoughts. What 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 he would like to do with his stuff right. in reality. <laughs> that that's the that's the fun part here. Right. This is the fundamental shift and change. Uh, never forget never forget <laughs> the, the, the message Andy Stanley did on that was so good, just called stuff. And he was like it's kind of a news flash moment, he goes, It's it's all God's stuff. Right. It's actually all his stuff. Right. Now you can either acknowledge that and live in light of that. Or you can choose to keep thinking it's your stuff. Right. But the, it's not. <laughs> the earth is the Lord's and, and the everything, and in, everything it. in it. Right. <laughs> that would be mm -hmm. everything with Roger Martin's name on it. Did you say that would be? I think you said that would be. I did not catch that, but. <laughs> it could have been. I might have something in this ear. <laughs> I'm capable of saying that. Well, you certainly are, Bronkfos. <laughs> <laughs> So, so there's stories wrapped around both of those things where I think Jesus explains a little bit more about what it means to be rich toward God. Yeah. 
One being the, the parable of the unjust steward, where he talks about, at the end of that he says, So I tell you, use worldly wealth to make friends for yourself, so that when it is gone, because it will be gone. It's not if it's gone, it says when it's gone. I just love that. You'll be welcomed <laughs> into eternal dwellings. This whole idea of making friends for yourself comes out of a story where this this money manager is about to lose his job, I, which I think is a, a parallel that Jesus is using about dying. This this life's going to end. Yes. He said, what yes. am I going to do after <laughs> this chapter ends? So he starts taking all of the, the wealth of the owner and divvying it out to all these other people who are in debt to him. And, of course, they're obviously very ingratiated to him. And Jesus says, in the same way, I want you to use all of the worldly wealth, which is not yours, mm-hmm. which is your father's, and use it to make friends. Give it away. Um, and then, of course, I think two chapters later, that's when the rich young ruler comes to him. He's like, what do I need to do to inherit the king, you know, inherit eternal life? <laughs> right. He said, well, you know the commands. He said, do them all. He said, well, it's one thing. One thing not, you like. Not so fast. Not so fast. <laughs> uh, tell you what, here's an idea. No, here's a command. Because once Jesus says it, it's, it's actually not a suggestion. <laughs> Sell all that you have. This is a command. It's a directive. Sell all that you have and give to the right. poor. It's interesting he didn't say give to the temple because that's typically what people would do. They take it to the temple and let right. the temple people divvy it out. I want you to give it to the poor. He said, then you'll have treasure in heaven. He said, then, it's interesting, then come follow me. And all that, all that to say, it's made me think more and more about you know the wealth that I have because it's ridiculous. And how am I using that to make friends for myself? How how am I using that for God's agenda? The things that matter to God. Because um, so, I don't want to live like a fool in, using Jesus's words. Um, so I want to be rich toward God, and I've, I've still got a lot of work to do there. It's, it's a tension that never ends. Well, isn't it? If Jesus said, whatever you've done for the least of these, my brothers, you've done for me, isn't that the definition of rich toward God? If I'm, yeah, if great I'm word. generous yes. to the least of these, I I'm am, being rich toward I am giving In to other God. words, uh, Jesus said that. The, the parable we talked about a few weeks back, the, the man sitting at your gate, you could have been rich to me because I was sitting at your gate begging, and you had an opportunity to be rich toward God. We have the opportunity to feed Jesus, to clothe yep. Jesus, to take him into our home. We have the opportunity to do those things. To provide transportation. For Isn't that the too. simplest kind of explanation of being rich toward God? Is rich toward the people he loves. Um, Podcast over. <laughs> no, that was just a mic drop moment. That was... A, that's exactly what it means to be rich toward God in its simplest form. When right. you're giving to someone that has need, using resources that are God's resources that right. you've been you've been given to manage, right. when you when you give that to someone in need, you are being rich toward God. You're helping. And and so when you God. come back to your the parable is it, and and I can only the guy who's has the amazing windfall um, crop. He's thinking like any typical American would think. It's how we're conditioned to think, myself included. Right? Is if I get more, what am I? Gonna, what am I gonna do for me with that? Uh, I can, and I 
careful giving examples. I mean, okay, I'm going to remodel my house, or I'm going to build, but buy a bigger house, or I'm going to get a, a nicer boat, or I'm going to get, um, or I'm just going to more toys for me, or more. I'm going to put more in savings for me, or I'm going to put more. And I realize God has to help us figure this, sort this out, because right. it's not me, Roger, saying, if you got a boat, uh, you're missing God's heart. Or, But at the same time, we live in the tension of everything our culture says, look out for you, take care of. And you look at the, where the moment this guy has is he's got yeah. this extra. He's not thinking about other people. He's right. not thinking. It didn't even dawn on him. Oh well, my I, actually, gosh! Actually, it could have dawned on him, and he just what said, are the, no, I'm going to build bigger. What ranch. are the opportunities? Mm-hmm. And it's it's something God I think has been speaking to me about. If his heart was already tuned into others, it was something that I was thinking about. Or if he was already connected to the poor, he might actually know some people that needed some things right then already. Right. And he would be thinking, "Oh, this is great. We can finally take <laughs> care of that." I realized that he, if he had already been praying. As Jesus thought, give us today our daily bread. Give us. So, because this thought actually hit me this morning. I was literally, this thought hit me this morning, intriguingly, that one of the reasons, one of the ways that God gets our focus off of ourselves is prayer. Now, again, we often think of prayer as a way of getting for us, but Jesus taught a way of praying, which is give us, give us, give us. So every time you're praying for your food, you're praying for others. Well, here's the thing. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. God's prayer Prayer is designed to get you thinking about other people. And here's the thing. Had he been praying that? Give us today our daily bread. And, and just give my neighbors daily bread. And give this person at my gate daily bread. And giving then. What happens if you're just praying, as Jesus taught us to pray, for the needs of... If it's focusing, we get abundance. Are we a little more likely then in that moment to think, Oh, light bulb. I've got extra now. And I've been praying daily bread for him. And I've been praying to help for bills with her. And I've been praying for his. I can answer that prayer. Yeah. I can. Yeah. But it's it's one of the geniuses of the Lord's Prayer is it is intended to shape our heart. And I realize if this guy had been thinking about, all he was thinking about was him. Wasn't thinking about God. Wasn't thinking about other people, which actually those two go together. Um, he was just thinking about him, and so the a other man, wasn't. Even, yeah, yeah, a man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. And Jesus would tell his disciples things like, "Sell your possessions, give to the poor, provide purses for yourself that'll never wear out." Anyway, it's a it's a consistent theme. It's this going back to the unless you give up everything, you can't even be my disciple. You know, I I think we just read right over that and miss it. And I was praying yesterday. I was like, Lord, everything I've got is yours. Everything. I mean, and 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 in my prayer, I was you give me the word and it's gone. It goes to this or that. In other words, if it is God's, He's the manager. I mean, He's the owner, and I'm just the manager. Then the owner tells the manager, "Here's what you're going to do with that thing." And I think even being connected to people and praying for people that are in need creates a mindset of, "Hey, I could actually meet that need right now." Yes, right. Which is beautiful. I wonder how we balance this out with savings and retirement. I I, I just want to enter in into the tension of. Well, yeah, I shared it with a couple yesterday. So my philosophy on that is never save more than you're giving. 
In other words, if you're putting 20% back into savings, whether that's long-term savings or short-term savings, <laughs> right. or else, make sure that you're putting 20% into giving. Yeah. You know, giving to others. That was, in my mind, a way to make sure that I don't right. become a fool and provide for myself, yeah. but not rich. Toward, yeah, I like that. Not yeah. rich toward God. So that's just a way that I, and when I do pre-marriage counseling, the first, that's interesting, the first thing we talk about is not, you know, conflict resolution and uh, parenting and a bunch of other, the first thing I take them through in the very first pre-marriage session is money. Okay. Because I know that's where the fight's going to start. That blows up a lot of marriages. It blows up a lot. So your of first marriages. session starts with money. Yeah. Yeah. They have to give me a full budget planned out, and the very top of the budget. You know what the first line item is? Giving. Okay. Because <laughs> otherwise, it gets relegated to the bottom. <laughs> sure. And it it is, it's leftovers. Oh yeah. Hey, we're gonna have forty three dollars at the end of this month. We can give, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> and I've found for myself. If I'm not starting with giving, and not saying I always do that, but if I'm not, it's funny. It's, it's a it's a wonderful idea in theory. It's a wonderful. Idea. I'm going to get around to giving. It's going to you know, but I just find other things that oh, got to be paid, got to take care of this. Well, I do need this and whatever, and oh, it's like the end. Oh, that's a shame. God only gets forty five dollars this year, Needs <laughs> this month, and wants <laughs> and the stuff in between. That you know, it's that constant tension of, and even needs. How do you divine need in America? Right. I mean, you know, okay. Jesus defined need as food, water, and clothing. Yeah. It didn't even define it as shelter. See, part of the which yeah. makes sense considering he didn't have shelter, or at the very <laughs> least, he had traveling. You know, it's a traveling shelter. No, it's I. I wrestle with this tension of. How much to store up for the future? How much do, would God rather me be investing today? So, because I don't know about the future, I, I, I don't know if I die tomorrow or Jesus returns tomorrow. Then everything I would say, well, doesn't help me. Right. Let, let's say at the end of the year. Let's say even okay, that's at the end of this year. I'm gone. Jesus returns. Um. Right, I can have all this equity in my property. I can have all these dollars in my account. I can have money, perhaps in savings or retirement. Um, and so it raises the question, and I just want to raise the question. I, I can't answer it for everybody. God doesn't want me to, but I do think he wants... It's critically important you answer it for yourself, though. Right, he wants me to help people ask the question. I realize, I, I realize, this dawned on me, I think that's one part of God's calling in my life is just to ask people questions. Not to so much tell them, oh, this is what you ought to be doing and this whatever, but have you thought about... I want to rename you Q. What do you think Jesus meant here? Okay, Q. Why Q? <laughs> the question? Q. Not Q as in C-U-E. <laughs> <laughs> that would be a line in Europe. <laughs> or a small white ball <laughs> on a billiard table. Yes. Or it could be a hint toward movement off stage. You're giving someone a cue. <laughs> what? That's I now I got to look it up. So it's just funny for me. Like I feel this press of don't, Raj, don't simply buy. 100% into the 
the Western idea that, because even the idea we've talked about before, the retirement is this relatively modern concept. I haven't found it in scripture. Of getting more and more. So I look, and already, now you think about it, already, humanly speaking, I'm going to get some kind of social security. Roger, uh, it's interesting. Let's go back to the rich fool and then I'll let you finish that. Okay, yes, go. He actually says in his mind when he builds the bigger barns, then I will have much laid up for many Many years. years. Retirement. Yeah. He's thinking, he's thinking short-term, long-term. Because long-term, long-term is eternity. (laughs) What if long-term planning is short-term giving? Yeah. It was right now. What if, yeah, instead of retirement planning, we started thinking about eternity planning. (laughs) That's good. I got to write that down. No, that's just good. That the idea, Jesus constantly was pointing us to that. I know that's more my theme than yours, but it's a constant, this idea of reward. Jesus, in one of those parables, said, because if you've not been trustworthy in handling someone else's property, referencing uh, this is all God's, who will give you property of your own? Almost hinting that in the next realm, we might actually own property. I mean, the God right. might say, hey, Roger, you've done such a great job with what I stewarded to you on Earth mm-hmm. in that brief blip of a moment of time. We're going to give you Pluto. <laughs> <laughs> Which, come to find out, is not a planet. But that's still pretty cool. <laughs> All right. Bruce's dream of getting Pluto. <laughs> that was your dream. <laughs> No, 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 no. I'm wishing, no. wishing upon a star, a star. <laughs> for That's, Pluto. What is Pluto? Is it a star? Is it a moon? I don't even know what Pluto is. <laughs> One of them's a ball of dust. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a ball of gas. So that's that's going to be a problem. Hold away. You were saying something Say about hold retirement. Away. <laughs> you were you were saying something about retirement, and I missed it there. Well, yeah, I, I think the thing that we do need to think about is is just caution 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 everything is saying even now you're not there's not probably not going to be enough there's never enough just like wealth is never enough retirement's never enough savings never enough oh, oh look what could happen and even if we're looking okay even in these unsettled times i think there can be the, even this greater feel of you know, I may need to just put a few more things on the side. I may need to look out so I'll be okay for many years to come. But what if God's plan, his ideal is, you know how to save it up? You know how to store it up? Give it. No, yeah, Jesus says, Just give it, yeah. Jesus says, store up. The right. word he's so, using is, sock it away. So the socking away that we ought to be, is it involves giving. Yes. The socking away involves so for, even yes. for me thinking now of being less concerned with how much I'm going to have at a point I'm not even sure I'll make it to right. a year in the future I'm not even sure I'll make it to not, being obsessed with getting tomorrow, a number your life is a mist why not be more focused and again this isn't the don't ever save a dollar podcast It's but but Roger yes Oh, there's all kinds of need around you. There's all kinds. So s- store it up by giving it away. So that was, it's so funny. That was the, that was the conclusion to my talk at the fundraiser for Huntsville Inner City Learning Center. I talked about the sure thing. I'm like, the, sh- ev- the, the sure, sure thing? The sure thing. Okay. Everybody wants the sure thing in the investment world. 
you know, if I had known now, 10 years ago, you know, I would have some stock in Tesla. Uh, if I had known two years ago Amazon. about the pandemic, <laughs> I would have stock in Zoom. Zoom. Yeah, it's, it's the sure thing. And I talked about what's the sure thing in the kingdom of heaven. Giving it away. Yes. It's a sure thing. The return on investment That's is great, out of this yes, world. Because Jesus love that. talks about, hey, you had you got 10 minus, you invested well 10 minus. It's a very small amount of money. I mean, it's like three months of wages, something like Sounds that. Sounds very minor. Take, take charge of 10 cities. It's it's radically disproportionate. It's just crazy. So that's that thing of, I got I to gotta start talking about eternity planning. I might build this into my website. This is good. Because they talk about brand and what's your brand in this group I'm working with. And brand just means reputation. I'm not interested in a brand per se. But I realize we all right. do have a reputation. Good, <laughs> bad. You're an etern eternity planning specialist. I eternal love that. planning specialist. It's eternity planning. That's yeah. what I. That's what I do. Because you have estate planning, you have eternity. I work planning. with eternal investments. <laughs> yes. No. That's. I'm an internal, eternal eternal investments put, consultant. I'm, no, I'm an internal. I'm an eternal eternal investments expert. No, that is so good. Because I talk about that is the sure thing. At the end of the day, I that, love that. Right. That is the one sure thing. This is an investment that Jesus, never goes yeah. wrong. Even if it's a cup of cold water to someone in need. Jesus said there's reward for that. Right. It's a sure thing every time. The return on investment I love is it. crazy. Yes, it's great. Wow, I did have more energy today than I thought. No, the sure thing, right, is, and I think so much of this just wraps around just this pervasive fight we have. Everything in us and everything in our culture just you, you, Raj, Raj, take care of, we'll look out for you. What, what do you, you know, what do you need, what, and, and. And we'll have these little moments step outside. Well, I know I need to be giving. I need to, but, and I've said this before, but, but this is where I, this is what I believe. Whatever went south in Eden, I think the core thing that went south was we were made to be about God and others. And we were going to be blessed in the process. Here was the idea, loving on God and loving on others. There was going to be this circle of love that was going to be, and it, we were going to get everything we needed coming out of loving God and other people. But the moment the wire short circuit, the moment the choice was made, it it was every man and woman for himself at that point. And that may be the fundamental turn is a heart that was made, made. We were made to think about others. Right. What's twisted now? We think it's normal. We look and say, "Oh, looking out for yourself." Well, of, of course, that's the most natural thing in the most natural thing in the world before sin was to look out for others. Isn't that interesting? I just thought of something like that. You know, that the early temptation in the Garden of Eden. However, you understand that in yep. terms of literal event or you know story narrative of the of the larger. But but the temptation was you can be like God. And I can almost hear God whispering, you are like me right now. You have no idea how, yes. Right right now, you are eternal. Right. The one thing that they gave up was, in that sense, God-likeness. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? Now they're, it's that, it, the lie was so dastardly because he, he took from them something they already had, tempting them with some, it, it, yeah, it's... The, gra and, the grass is greener on the other side. And the temptation... Hold it, the grass is green where you are right now. The temptation was to 
you gotta focus more on yourself. Oh, that's that's what made me think about it. Right, Eve, make this about you. Eve, right. you can be like God. Right, you you. Or that whole Adam idea. may or may not get in on this right. Eve, but you can be like God. And his fundamental accusation, indictment of mm. God is God's not looking out for you. Right. God's not. God's not looking He's out for you. Out. He's actually holding. He's holding out. out. He's looking. Which, of course, was a fundamental lie. God was loving them with his whole heart. God was only ever thinking about them and for them. Um, which again just comes back to that fundamental lie that yeah even today that somehow God's not for us or but where we've lost our way and it's the thing we have to keep fighting is we have to keep our eyes on others we so all the things that we have what matters to God what do others need needs to be a fundamental so even even we think about now financial planning yeah what what you're going to do it's not just thinking about can can we move giving to the poor to the top of our list instead of the bottom of our list? I mean, it's just a, it's just. Right. Um, and that's what you just said is far, is extraordinarily controversial, as I think you know, in evangelical circles, which is just troubling. But the idea that giving to the poor would be at the top of the list. It's, yeah. Right. Well, it's. it's giving to the church. How many is times, at the top of the list. Right. How many times did we... Can you remember that Jesus said, give money to the temple? See, he sent the lepers to the temple to prove that they were clean. Uh, and I'm sure they had to bring some kind of dove or a pigeon or something to make that a no. go. But I don't, I don't remember Jesus ever saying, give money to the temple. No. And multiple times... But multiple times he says, give to the poor. And to what's the poor. even interesting? What's even interesting... In Matthew 25, when he says, you gave, he doesn't say, you gave to me when you gave to the church. Uh, you know what I'm saying? No, he doesn't. No. Oh, and he could have said just a little something about the temple. Almost everything he's referencing synagogue. there has to do with poor, poor folks. Oh, um, absolutely. People in prison, vulnerable. people who don't have clothes, people who don't have food, strangers in the land, yep. which are typically going to be. So there's a prominent word about the poor it was striking to me that at one point when Judas leaves the evening the other disciples thought he might be going to pay for something or do give, give, give to the poor give to the poor which tells me on a regular basis out of their bag they oh, gave they set aside for the poor right well you, in other words they, they, in other words when they thought that was just something that was a common part of what they knew Jesus had taught them well, and, and even you go Old Testament, let's go Law of Moses stuff. So once a year, they would give a tenth to uh, the priests, the temple, all that. And then the, the priests would divvy up percentage of that right. for. But you realize every third year, they gave an additional there was tenth. A, a third tithe to the poor. Another tithe, and that was just for the poor. Just for the poor. And again, this isn't tithing on income. This right. was tithing on net worth. This was tithing on your total assets. What are your total cows, horses? Camels, all of that, a tenth of that, every third year is given to the poor. Man. Well, Bruce, there's all kinds and, and of... And think about it. Because the idea was that 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 there should be, that was the word that was actually used in the Old Testament law, that right. there should be no poor among you. Right. You're leaving food at the edge at of the... the you're leaving of your crops field. that... Yes. that you're, but every third what year is you're giving striking a tenth to me, of your net worth to help the poor. 
is how often uh, with Jesus, though, and the apostles, Jesus tells, again, the wealthy guy who comes to him, sell everything you have and give to the poor. To the poor. Uh, Nicodemus, not Nicodemus, uh, Zacchaeus makes a decision. Yep. And he's going to pay back all the wrong, he's, I mean, all the money he's stolen, and he's going to give this substantial amount, well, I think he said not to the temple. Half of it he's given to the poor, and with the other half he's going to pay back right, four he's times. Pay. And Jesus says, today salvation has come to this house, which fits what he says in Matthew 25. This is what happens. People of the kingdom are identified as people who are generous to the poor. The Apostle Paul at a point says, one thing I want to make sure you don't forget is remember to be generous to, to the, the, the poor. poor. And, and, the, and the most famous fundraiser in the entire New Testament was a special gift. Church, and I'm, we're talking right. churches all over <laughs> Europe and the Middle East, as we, as we know it now, were giving to help a famine, the poor that were in Judea during that famine season. I but, say the most famous fundraiser because it's mentioned in multiple well, I realize passages. That the most prominent passages we ever heard about giving, growing up, all the instructions, Corinthians, 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, those were all about collections and gifts. For the church. For the poor. <laughs> oh, well, I'm, I'm uh, yeah. And, uh, no, what, what I'm saying is in, in the context... We always heard them taught about giving to the church. Right. And what I wanted to say, because I'm indicting myself, is up until the last church that I pastored, almost all of my teaching about giving, almost all, not yeah. all, but almost all of it was about giving to the church. Yeah. And then the church will make decisions about giving to the poor and other things. Right. And I regret that now. I, I'm, a, I'm in the same... Uh, and what's also what was tragically when I looked at that is in terms of if you look at the typical church budget, I'm saying the ones we grew up in and even the ones that we led, how right. much right. for most of those years was set aside. If we're, even if we're going to say you, you, you put it in the hands of the church and they take it, well, the early church... If you were giving money, you were laying money at the apostles' feet? Yeah. Now think about that. When the church first formed, they were bringing money and laying at the apostles' feet. Where was that money going? The poor. The poor. I was just saying it's a pervasive... And there was so much of it being given to the poor that they had to set up a whole group of these things called deacons now that were managing the distribution to the yeah. poor. Yeah. Oh, no, that's... What I'm saying is it's, it... it's, not, it's not a sidebar no. in, the, in the scriptures... So I'm going back to a moment when you said you put that at the top. I think it yes, I think it should be at the top in light of the words of Jesus, the words of the apostles, the examples uh, of the early Testament, church, New Old Testament, Testament, New Testament. Um, Roger, the other thing I realize, and this is where I want to give our listeners a little bit of grace. Part of the sanctification process, in one sense, Roger, even because we both led the same church, the last church that we led, right. We sort of grew into the way of Christ o over time. Oh, absolutely. It, it was a, there's so many things in my early pastoring years that I'm like, gosh, I wish I hadn't done that. That was stupid. But I didn't know it was stupid at the time. In other words, in one sense, we grew up in a culture. We embrace that culture. It's what we know. Right. 
But then the more we walk with Jesus and the more that we follow the way of Christ, we begin to grow and change to where I will just say this. You and I were very different pastors in the, the last church that we led yes. together than we were yeah. in the first church that we led. And it's, it's a good together. word. And, and it's not because I think we were bad pastors then. Right. I think we, we grew. We were learning. We were learning. But now that we've learned, well, we are responsible to ask for you to ask those questions, and right. I'm responsible to point people toward eternal investment, right? It, it, eternal planning, eternity planning. There's a word we've used. You just use the word learn, but we've also we love this word unlearn. Oh, we, we had to unlearn. We right. had, we had to unlearn some values about the poor and giving to the poor, and suspicions about giving to the poor, and even even a narrative that. Giving to the poor any kind of substantial way was actually a Reckless. distraction to the gospel. Was oh, a yeah. social was a, gospel. Right, social gospel. This is actually a competitor. Which is such a funny thing. So, well, you talk about the genius of the enemy, uh, the angel of light thing. So the gospel should be perhaps antisocial. I just, it's, when you think about it, it just doesn't make, I'm sorry, that doesn't make sense to me. All right. So, um, unlearn or burn? <laughs> Or when I say burn, I'm referencing that judgment seat of Christ analogy that Paul makes about all this stuff you do with your life. He said it like goes through fire. Yeah. And what comes out on the other side is what you did for others. So In there's, a, there's a lot of my stuff that I'm just I'm telling you now ahead of time it's gonna burn, okay? Because I had it wrong. In heaven you can store by giving to the in heaven you can store by giving now to the poor. I like it. All right, that's a good thing. Okay. Gosh, this is, I thought, wow. <laughs> yep. I think we're done here. Yep, we are. That was a good talk, Raj.